we encourage you to use your gifts and talents for God. Thank you for leading in worship, and it was wonderful. The title of the sermon is, When You Are in a Crisis. I hope you've had a good afternoon, and as Pastor Bisa said, let's keep all of our people in prayers, as there are many different people with different needs in this time. Um, we're in the middle of January. Lots of people are having viruses and colds, so please make sure you pray for our people who are in surgeries and those who have lost loved ones. We want to uphold everyone in prayer. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're looking at Acts chapter 4 tonight, 23 to 31. Acts chapter 4. And here's what God's word says. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they had heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one, which is Jesus Christ. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let's pray. God, as we take the time now to learn from your word, may you just speak in this place. May you just fill this place, God, with your spirit. Um, it's not about us. It's not about what we do. It's about what you are, you are doing in us and through us, God. It's about honoring your name. So we pray that this sermon will be glorifying your name, honoring your name. But more importantly, God, we pray that we will learn from your word. Your word has the power to correct us. Your word has the power to encourage us. And we pray right now that you would help us in this time to uh, connect what is being said here tonight with our lives because this word has the power to be applied to our lives and this word has the power to change our lives. So we pray, God, we don't want to leave this place the same. We want to hear from your word and be changed. So thank you, God, for what you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this uh, story takes place in the book of Acts. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, it's written by the disciple Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke. And uh, leading up to the book of Acts, there's a lot of things that have happened. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, we learn that Jesus has come. We learn that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is teaching and he is uh, preaching God's word. He is doing miraculous signs. He is doing miracles. And there's a crowd of people that like him. And then there's a crowd of people that don't like him. And so unfortunately, as he's doing the work of God, we have two different crowds happening. You will learn as you read the gospels that Jesus was crucified. He did die. And then he rose on the third day, just like he said he would. And he ascended into heaven. In the book of Acts, Jesus did mention to, the, to his disciples that wait for the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit would come and equip you and give you power to do God's work. Indeed, God, again, Jesus, his words came true. The Holy Spirit did come and did equip the people. If you read Acts chapter 3, you read the story of John and Peter that they went 
to the synagogue to do prayer. And while they were there, there was a man that was crippled. And they, they in the name of Jesus' name, healed this crippled man. You would think that because they healed this man, a lot of people would be, were amazed and happy for them. But unfortunately, because of this, they were actually thrown in jail and were questioned. Acts chapter 4, verse 5 says the following. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They were trying to figure out by what source, by what power or authority were they able to see this man be healed. They responded and said it was by the power and the name of Jesus Christ. The men were then told, stop talking about Christ. They were told not to talk about Jesus anymore. And they were told, stop doing miracles. But Peter and John said, if you read Acts chapter 4, they said, sorry, but we're still going to do the work of God. We're still going to spread the gospel and preach the gospel. And this is where the story picks up in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says that on their release, so they were now released, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported, to the reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when their people heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. The Bible says that Peter and John went back to their own people, which means that they didn't confide the entire church, but they confided in a specific number of people, like maybe like a small group, a number. And when it says that they raised their voices together, this indicated that one prayer was being offered in a spirit of unity to God. One person was praying, but everybody was in the group praying in unity. And what we learn from this as Peter and John are walking with the Lord as they're doing their ministry for God, that even though they were in the middle of hardship, even though this was a time of crisis or trouble or challenge, they made a choice to do two things. Number one, they met with people that they know, and secondly, they prayed. Number one, they met with people they know, and then they prayed. And this is in verse 23 to 24. When the Bible says they prayed together, Luke likes to use a word that actually means that they were in one accord, suggesting that there was unity and a spirit of oneness. And this is actually the theme of Acts. Acts is all about the people of God doing the people, the work of God together, together. And that this, the word that we use for that when we think about together and community is fellowship, fellowship. And so they did life together. And Peter and John were told, do not preach the gospel anymore. Do not talk about God. Do not talk about Christ. And they had to decide for themselves in their life how they were going to handle this problem how that they were called to do God's work, and yet the society around them told them to stop doing what they were set out to do. And so when you're thinking about your own life, God is calling you in one direction. God is calling you to do something. God is calling you to raise your family, to go to work, to lead your family, to pay your bills, to provide for your family, to take care of your health, to do so many different things. And yet, sometimes in life, we will face trouble and face hardship. And the question is, how do you respond? How do you respond to hardship in your life? How do you respond to trouble that has come in your life? How do you deal with a crisis? So many different responses can be said here. And I want us to think about 
how Peter and John decided to deal with their challenges. They, they, number one, they, they looked for people that they could confide in, and number two, they prayed with others. And you know, today, too many people really don't know what fellowship or community looks like. Many of us think we know what it means. There are people on Facebook or Instagram that think that because they have X amount of followers that they know what community looks like. They think that maybe if somebody likes my picture 50 or 100 times or 2,000 times that that really means community. But really, community is a lot deeper than that. Amen? It is a lot deeper. And so a lot of people today don't really know what community actually looks like. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are broken because they don't know God. There are broken marriages. There are broken relationships, relationships between spouses or relationships between parents and children, broken friendships, broken workplaces, even broken churches where there's not a spirit of unity. But God is calling us not to be lone rangers in our life, but to find people in our life that we can talk to and find people in our life that we can pray with. Amen? Amen? And so we need a group of people that we can talk to because here's the truth, church family. When you find people in your life that you can talk to and pray with together, when we're in prayer sessions together with other people, we find strength from God and we find strength from the community of believers coming together to pray. And you would only know that if you actually go to prayer sessions in a group setting. If you don't actually go into a group setting of prayer sessions, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And so for the people who know what I'm talking about, you know that when you go to prayer in a group session, that when you are praying and the Spirit of God is there, God can tell somebody to say something that will encourage you when you pray. Amen? But you won't know that unless you're in a session or a group setting with prayer. The, the main thing in the book of Acts is that there was a spirit of unity. The people of God were together before a crisis. They were together during a crisis, and they were together after the crisis. They did life together, together. And we can make all the excuses in the world and say, you know what? Pastor Dina, I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to confide in people, but I just don't know anybody. I just don't talk to people. Or you might say, you know, I have been uh, betrayed and rejected and abandoned by so many people. I just don't trust people anymore. Well, let me just say this with love, with love and respect to you. That's making excuses. That's making excuses. If you can't find people in your life to talk to, then let me just be blunt and direct here. I've always been like that, right? It means, yes, Yanni knows because he's also like that too. It means that you are not investing in other people's lives. If you have nobody you can talk to. It means do you call people during the week? Do you talk to people? Do you visit people who are sick? Do you make meals for somebody? Do you drop off flowers or do you... Um, pray for other people? Or are you just a boring person and just go, like I said this morning to our church, do you just go to work, come home, cook, clean, feed the dog, go to sleep, and do the same thing the next day? Is that your life? That is pretty boring. Let me tell you, break out of the robot shell and do great things for God. Amen? You can do it, and God can help you. 
That wasn't meant to be the Home Depot slogan, but that sounded like that. <laughs> you need to make time for people. I just know too many people say, I don't have any friends, nobody cares about me. Well, are you caring about them first? Are you making time for people? It's not that people don't want to be in your life. Are you making time for people? If you want to see friendship in life, you have to sow friendship. Amen? You, you reap what you sow. So you're going to have to make some changes in your life if you cannot find people to confide in. And secondly, if you can't trust anybody, then you've bought in the lie that people have to be perfect in order for you to talk to them. And let me just be clear again today. The truth is nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. You might think you're perfect, but you're not. The only person that thinks you're perfect is your mother, is your mother. Everybody else will tell you, your spouse, your children, your siblings, your friends, hopefully will tell you you have flaws. When I was doing my doctorate, we had to do this 360 leadership degree uh, assignment where I had to find people in the church, uh, have Pastor Nick, other colleagues, and whatever. They had to like fill these questionnaires, and they had to tell me my positive and negatives. Well, that was not fun to do, but you know what? Self-awareness is very important. It's very important. You need to know that even if people have offended you, and people will offend us, there are going to be people in our lives, people we love and care, and people we don't, we have distant relationship with, will offend us, but you have to give people second chances, because the Bible says we are to forgive each other. We cannot hold grudges and have this attitude of bitterness towards people, because this is the truth. There are good people out there who really do care about us. And please don't be that kind of person where, one person has crossed you, and now for the rest of your life, you've written them off. Give people a chance. Now, I'm not saying if somebody has offended you over and over and over and over again that you need to stick in that kind of relationship because that's abusive. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if somebody has made a mistake towards you, don't just write them off because people are not perfect. Amen? We are not perfect. So are there people in your life that you can open up to and, and talk to them? And secondly, in this number one here, the other important thing that they did as they were in trouble and in their crisis is that they prayed together. They prayed together. For Peter and John, their crisis was stop preaching the gospel. Stop doing the work of God. Stop saying the name of Jesus and having miracles done. And this was a, a big deal for them because they were on the launch of doing great things for God. And in your own life, it may not be that per se. It may not be evangelism, but it may be something like a financial issue in your life. You have a marriage problem. You have problems with your kids or you're having health problems. And whatever your crisis is, the good news is the Bible says, the Bible records countless times that prayer is so key. Prayer is important, and that the people of God pray to see their breakthrough. If you look in the, in the passage here, it doesn't say that Peter and John went to a self-help book. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that Peter and John went to uh, look up a scientific journal article to understand their problem better. It doesn't say that they sought substance abuse, like alcohol and smoking or eating food to deal with their problem. It doesn't say they went from relationship to relationship or they uh, talked to like hundreds of people or in our day and age, it doesn't say they went to Google or went to Instagram or Facebook to figure out their problem. It says that the people of God prayed together. They prayed together. And I know this if, in my own experience, that if you want to see a breakthrough in your situation, and we're talking about major situations in life, 
If you want to see a breakthrough, you and I need to make time for prayer. It needs to be a priority. It doesn't mean like when I have time. No, this is the time for prayer. You cannot afford to not pray. Just like you cannot afford not to drink water. In our spiritual lives, we need to pray daily. Pray without ceasing, as Paul says. And we need to pray in group settings. Notice the difference here. It's not saying one-on-one prayer or prayer in your closet. It says prayer in a group setting. So maybe you are in a small group. That's excellent. Maybe you come to the prayer time here Wednesday night or the first of the month prayer time. Great. If you're not, start it now. Start it now. Don't wait. This is the time for prayer. Uh, this past year in August, our church family increased our prayer time. We, on Wednesday, 6.30, one week, the second week, 7.30. And we prayed and we fast. And this year, we saw major breakthroughs because of the increase of prayer and fasting. And I want you to think of prayer in a group setting like this. How many of you remember on December 24th, which was Christmas Eve, it began to snow pretty heavy about 5 o'clock? Yes, Brandon, great. You're the only one that remembered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, I, was, uh, I had gone to our 11 o'clock service. We had 11 o'clock service. I went to my sister's church 4 o'clock service. And then from that service, I went to the village church. So I went to three services that day because nobody can say I don't love God. <laughs> so three services. But on the way to the third service, I noticed it began to snow heavy. And I was going through Richmond Hill. And uh, Leslie and Major, Major Mack, before I passed to get on to pass the to pass Leslie, I noticed on the left side that there were about 20 to 25 plowers. Their lights were on and they were getting ready to go onto the road because it was snowing. And I was like, "This is amazing." I said, "You know, there's snow coming down heavy and there's 20 25 tractors getting ready. The drivers were getting ready. They're ready to go out. Why? Because they want to plow the snow." and attack this storm that's coming so that you know people like us that are driving will be safe. And they were doing it together. Now imagine this, imagine that there was only one snow plower that was gonna come out onto the road. Well, first of all, he or she would, would do their, their round but wouldn't get far, if you think about it, in getting the entire job done. But because there were 20 and 25 tractors going out at the same time, they were going to cover more ground by plowing together. And this is what happens when we pray together. When the people of God come together, we break through more ground. We break through in our prayers and in the spiritual realm, and we'll see better shifting and better victories won when we do it together. When we do it together, amen? So when you are in crisis, the answer is we need to talk to people and pray. And number two is when you pray, realize the power of God. Realize who you're talking to. This is what they said in the verse. They said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Now this word, Sovereign Lord, actually translated is one word in the Greek. And what it really means is this word actually addresses somebody who has absolute power, absolute power. Now, the Greeks use this word to, to refer to their gods. In the New Testament, it is used three times to refer to God and to Jesus. And they go on to say, God, you are, uh, 
you're, you, you made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. And so they're addressing God and saying, you know, God, you are everything. You are, and you are above those things. You are God and God alone. There's no one before you. There's no one after you. There's no one in between. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And so as they're praying, they were realizing and understanding the God that they were praying to. And when you're going through trouble and when you're going through a crisis, do you realize who you're talking to? Do you realize that God is powerful? Do you realize that he is not unlimited? The Bible says that who is this king of glory? He is the Lord Almighty, the Lord strong and mighty, Lord mighty in battle. Again, who is this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Do you realize who you're praying to? when you pray to God the Father. And they go on to say as they pray, Lord, why do the nations rage against you? Why do the people of this world plot against you? Why do they come against you and Jesus Christ and, and, and want to come against your anointed one? And they, it even says that indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you have anointed. While they were praying and in the spirit, they said to God, why are the people of this world trying to do evil against you, God? Why are there kings and rulers banding against you, God, trying to push you out, trying to push God out? And specifically, they said, did you know that Herod and Pontius Pilate were actually enemies at this time? And they didn't care about each other, but when it came to crucifying Jesus, they became friends at that moment and they agreed to have Jesus crucified and they arrested Jesus and they crucified him and they made jokes about him and they were working against God and they thought that they were going to win. You know what they were thinking? When we put Christ to death, we're going to shut this whole thing down because Jesus was making a lot of trouble with who he was. So many people were following him. So many people were believing in him, thinking that he was the Messiah and he was. And they didn't want that anymore. So they're like, let's just shut him down by killing him. And if you look at verse 28, it's really funny, but it won't be on the screen, but it'll be in your Bible. They thought Jesus' death was the ultimate victory. They thought, now we have God. We are going to kill Jesus Christ. And here's what the word of God says as they're praying. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What they were really saying here is, as they were praying, God, they thought that killing Jesus was going to be the end. They thought, they said, Jesus is dead. He's no longer alive. But they didn't know that three days later he was going to rise again. And so the word of God is saying here, they did your power and your will because you decided that beforehand. God had known that Jesus was going to die. He knew that he was going to rise on the third. That was God's plan. But they thought they were doing their, their best by shutting Jesus down. That's what they thought. But God used their evil for good. Amen? Amen. And God always uses the wrong things that people do against us. And today, maybe as you're sitting here and I, as I'm speaking God's word, maybe there's somebody who has ripped you off, took all your money, was totally unfair to you, mistreated you, was unjust 
and unfair. Or maybe as we think about the world and the way it's going, the nations are mocking God. The category that's growing in the world is the no religion category, which actually is a religion, if you think about it. They've taken prayers out of the school. They want to take God out of the anthems. The government wants to take our rights on what is right and wrong. They want to tell us how to teach our children what to teach and what not to teach. People who believe in Jesus Christ are being killed for their faith. Persecution of believers around the world is real. But God takes the evil against his people and works it out for our good. Amen? Amen? Amen. Works it out. And the enemy, he thinks he's winning and he has the power, but really God is more powerful. And so when you look back at your life and look back at the problems at the time when you're in it or the the chaos or the crisis, you're thinking, God, why is this happening? What a mess. And as time goes on and you reflect, you'll be, you know what? God was really there and he worked that in my favor. He worked that in my favor. Because, you know, Isaiah 46 says the following, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. You know what that means? Right now, God can tell you what's going to happen in the future, and God knows how it's going to end. He sees everything. He's the God of the past, present, and the future. That's why we can trust him. That's why we shouldn't worry. That's why we shouldn't, you know, go into anxiety or discouragement or depression, but have hope that our God will take care of all the details. And so if you're in a crisis, you need to recognize the power of God. And here's what's interesting in God's word. In verse 29, it says, as they were praying, they said, now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. So they made two requests. Number one, they wanted, they said, God, help us to be bold in speaking your word. And secondly, show us your power through miracles and healings and wonders. Both had to do with the very thing of evangelism. And so as they were in their crisis, number three today is pray to be obedient to God. No matter what you're going through, they did not pray for wisdom, they did not pray for favor, they did not pray for protection, but they asked God, can you please help us be obedient to the very thing that society is telling us not to do? Remember, the Jews told them, stop preaching God's word, stop preaching the gospel, stop talking about Jesus Christ. And they said in their prayer, God, give us the boldness to still preach your word. And so as you go through your own challenging situation in your life, you have two choices. You can go with the crowd and do what is wrong, or you can stand your ground and ask God to help you to be bold and to be obedient. You have to choose. God is always calling us to do what is right. And I'll tell you right now, doing what is right is not always going to be easy. Amen? It's not always going to be easy because you're going against the crowd. But do it anyways. But do it anyways. You know, at work, they will tell you to lie and make false reports. Tell them, I'm sorry, I can't do that. God calls me to be honest. Tell them. When somebody at work wants to gossip about somebody else, tell them, you know what, I don't want to talk about people. Or walk away. You don't have to indulge in that. When they ask you to agree with the new laws regarding what sexuality is in this time and age, you show them the Bible and you tell them, I believe in God's word, and whatever God's word says about sexuality, that's what I believe. Amen? Amen? 
When you want to do what is, when they want you to indulge in what is wrong and you know that it is wrong, whatever it is, do what is right and be bold. Because the enemy knows that if he can shrink back the voices of truth, shrink back the voice of God, then the majority of people will end up doing what is wrong and believe in a lie. And that's what's happening right now in our society. Sometimes I'm talking to people and I'm saying, you know what, I don't believe in that, or I don't believe in what you're trying to say, or I don't agree with that. They look at me as if I'm an alien. But the Bible says that my citizenship is not here anyways, it's in heaven, amen? And so we need to lovingly and respectfully tell people, listen, I just don't believe that because God's word says otherwise. And there are countless stories of brave women and men in our Bible who stood for what is right, and because they did that, big change came. Noah built the ark even though people discouraged him. Nehemiah prayed to God and said, Lord, take away these enemies because they want to stop us from building the wall. Daniel prayed in open public even though the society government said stop praying to God in public. He did it anyways. Esther went into the, ki into the king's uh, palace even though you're supposed to ask her permission and risked her life for her people and did it anyways. John the Baptist preached the message of repentance even though people made fun of him and Jesus told the, he told the people that my house will be a house of prayer not a house of robbers and so you and I need to be like the people of God in the Bible and be like Jesus and stand your ground and tell the truth and not shrink back but open our mouths and be bold for God. God. You have to decide in your life if you're going God's way or you're going with the crowd. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and that's every day when you're facing temptation or problems or attacks, you will stand your ground. Amen? And so here's what happens as they have prayed, they have met with their people, they have prayed, they're praying to God, and they've asked for obedience. Verse 39 says, And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God. And number four today is, God will respond to your prayers. Amen? Amen. Pay attention here. It says here in uh, verse 31, it says, The place they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God would shake the place he was at to let the people know that he was there. Exodus 19:18 says the following, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on fire. The smoke built up from, from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. Isaiah 6, 4 says, At the sound of their voices, the door doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So when it would shake, the ground would shake, or the place that they were praying or the place that they were at would shake, it was God's way of telling them that, they were, that he was there, that he was there. And this word says that after they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken, was shaken. Now tell me this morning, did the, did, did the platform shake this morning as Pastor Nick preached, right? Did you preach Pastor Nick this morning? I did. Yeah. Was it, was it shaking this morning to let us know that God was here? Oh, I thought sometimes it really shook. All right. Yeah, or dynamite was here and it exploded, right? And so as we read this, this is really encouraging that, you know, God can respond to us as we pray. 
And now the question is, does God always shake the place when he responds to our prayers? Well, no, sometimes the word of God says that he comes in a whisper to let us know that he's there. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it says he was in a cloud of, uh, a cloud of fire or a, um, uh, sorry, a pillar of a cloud or a pillar of fire, depending on the context that was there. And so God can respond to us in different ways to let us know that he is here. He is here and responding. But what we need to know is that when we're praying and when we're in communion and we're together and we're in fellowship, God will respond to us to let us know that he hears us and he is responding. On December 27th, I was praying with our church during our prayer time. And during the prayer time, I was praying for our church family. And I said to God, you know, Lord, I just want this to be a year of explosion, a year of explosion. That's the word that came out of my mouth, a year of explosion. Then the week after I was praying with one of my prayer partners, her and I pray three times a week. And as she was praying, she said, Lord, may this just be a church or a year of explosion for the Solid Rock Church. And I was, as I was listening to her, I was like, how did she know that? I didn't tell her about explosion. I didn't mention anything to her about explosion. I was like, this is so weird, but this is God. And then the week after, I was praying with another girl I pray with once every two weeks. And as we were praying, she was praying for the church. And again, she said, Lord, may it just explode this year. And I was like, hmm, God, you are so interesting. Two other people using the same word that I used. How is that possible? How is that possible? You know, the Bible says that the Spirit of God prays for us and we don't know what to pray. And it also says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for us, but this has been revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. And so I knew that the Lord was speaking to me when I prayed with both of these ladies and that God had heard my prayer and that he will respond. He will respond. Because not, it was not just once, not just twice, but three times the Lord confirmed to me. Today, as we think about God's word, when you're in a crisis, you and I need to meet with people and we need to pray. We need to realize as, as we pray that we serve a big God. We need to realize that when we pray, we need to ask for obedience, not to shrink back, not to be discouraged, not to be quiet, but to be obedient. And then fourthly, you and I need to know that God will respond. He will shake the ground. He will shake this place. A dynamite is about to explode in here, and you and I need to be ready. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your, um, the opportunity, God, to just learn from this word and to learn from this passage as John and Peter were dealing with their challenges, dealing with wanting to serve God, but at the same time facing so much opposition. And they could have been like the average person and be like, you know what, God, I can't do this. It's too hard. I'm facing opposition. I'm facing jail. I'm facing persecution. I might even be dead because of this. But Lord, they believed so much in your power, believed so much in what they were doing, they didn't stop. Lord, some of us are so discouraged, we're thinking, why even bother do this anymore? Why walk with God? Why do it? It's too hard. But Lord, you're calling us to be obedient. You're calling us to push through. You're calling us to persevere. You're calling us to let your wisdom lead us. And as we pray, 
and as we are together with the fellowship of believers, God will speak to us in different ways. We thank you, Lord, that you have never left us or forsaken us. We thank you, Lord, that no matter how hard it gets, God is always there. And we thank you, Lord, that you will respond to every situation in our life. You're just calling us to be faithful, and you're calling us to push through. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come on this earth, and his task was not easy. He had to die on a cross. He could have been like, this is too hard. I can't do this, God. But he, he, the Bible says he was obedient even till death. He did not stop. He accomplished his purpose. Lord, help us in our time of need and our time of trouble that no matter what happens, God, your purpose will be done and your purpose will be accomplished. We thank you for men like Peter and John who even though we're told it's illegal now to preach the gospel, they did it anyways. May we be like the, the men and women in our Bible who pushed through and persevered in their walk with God so that they would see the reward of many souls coming to Christ and many people being ready for heaven. May we not stop, but keep ourselves firm in the word of God and in your path. We thank you, Lord, for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>